my friends, the great experiment. Down on the Lord, thanks, thanks. Hidden trick, trick. Would you look at that? The greatest trick, trick. And you people, you're all astronauts. Some kind of star trick, trick. The greatest trick, Welcome to Greatest Trek. It's a new Star Trek podcast from the makers of The Greatest Generation. And coincidentally, also the makers of The Greatest Discovery, which doesn't exist anymore. I'm Ben Harrison. Yeah, I mean, that show's in the Podcast Hall of Fame. <laughs> that show's got its own bust. Mm, yeah. They retired its jersey number. It's hanging in the arena. Yeah. Feels good. I'm... Adam Pranica. I thought you were Michael Phelps based on how you were doing your arms before we started today. Yeah. Backed off the mic, gave the arms a little flap, wanted mm-hmm. to get the blood flowing. It's a question of blood flow, Ben. <sighs> does that make me the Ryan Lochte of this podcast? Sure does. God fucking damn it! Ow! Why do I have to be the fucking Lochte? You should do that underwater. You got all the fucking medals. And I'm just this fucking dumb guy that likes sneakers and who should never open his fucking mouth. (laughs) Dumb guy who likes sneakers. (laughs) Isn't that kind of the things about Brian Lochte? I don't really know much about swimming. Jeez. That is just really ugly. (laughs) You don't know that guy. Mm, I've seen some footage of him. Oh, jeez. Hey, you've seen some footage. Swimmer's body. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, when you're a swimmer, you have those... uh, the muscles that grow under your armpits, very <laughs> developed armpit muscles on swimmers. I mean, I think that's just big back muscles and you're seeing them from the front. God. Yeah. There's no gap there. Mm, Those things no. are all filled in. Yeah. So big you could put a drink on it. Are we too <laughs> old to get really great bodies? Like if we really worked on it, mm. could we get a lochty body? I don't think I could get a lochty body. I think you could do it, though. We all start out equal. Little blobs of blood and muscle. It's a setup of awesome potential. I think you could, too, man. You're, you've got, like, long rower's muscles. I bet you could do yeah. it. Yeah. The thing that was always frustrating to me about being a rower was that I was, like, in spectacularly good shape by mm-hmm. any measure. I was stronger. I had more stamina than I, I'll ever have again, mm-hmm. but I never had any like definition. There's no, you don't get muscle definition from that kind of exercise. We have opposite bodies, Ben, because <laughs> I could never put on weight. All I could do is get cut. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boohoo. <laughs> We've got opposite bodies. Yeah. I've never been cut in my life. Damn. Except for when I was cut from the team is that i mean i've always been envious of like fucking units like people who could get totally stacked i could never do that i, I could yeah. eat anything and as much as i wanted and i could never put on weight yeah i mean i can now because i'm 40 something and sedentary i gotta be careful after rowing practice we, we'd have like uh we'd usually have two a days so we'd get up at like 4 a.m and go down to the estuary and row before school and then like after school you'd have to go back and do another practice i wouldn't sign up for classes at 10 a.m because they were too early for me in (laughs) college and you started at four yeah it was bad it was not good wow my buddies and i would leave and uh, a couple of them lived like in my immediate neighborhood 
So we would carpool and on our way home, we'd stop at this burger restaurant called Flippers. And there was a burger called the Papa Flip that I'd always get. So it's like a burger with like bacon and like caramelized onions and barbecue sauce and cheese Damn. and mushrooms. Just like the ma- most massive, it was like a half pound burger patty. I'd get that. I'd get a strawberry milkshake. I'd get steak fries. Dude. I'd, I'd house this after a two a day. Wow. We went to that burger restaurant with my buddy Gordon one time. And Gordon did not order the Papa Flip. Me and Michael, we would always get the Papa Flip at the end of uh, mm-hmm. a practice. We took Gordon with us one time. Gordon orders a burger that has like slices of avocado and like those little like microgreens, uh-huh. like the s- sprouts that you get on like a uh-huh. <laughs> like a s- health food sandwich. Was Gordon one of the professors at the school you went to? We were like, what is this? What is this burger, Gordon? You can't row in tweed, Gordon. <laughs> we're ordering these like manly ass burgers. They're named after daddies. <laughs> You're getting a nerd burger. You know what? There is frequently a nerd burger on a burger restaurant's menu. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like that's what I go for now. But uh but back then, we really roasted Gordon for all it was worth when he ordered a nerd burger. I mean, maybe Gordon was keeping it tighter than you guys. Yeah. No no wonder I was never cut. <laughs> Are you kidding? I was eating like shit. <laughs> Would you eat another burger after your, your second of the two-a-days? Oh, I would eat that at like, you know, we'd leave high school at 3.30 or whatever, go to practice. We'd get, I'd get home at like 6. My mom would put dinner on the table at 8, and I would eat that also. So I would eat an entire burger, fries, and a milkshake, and then eat dinner later also. I probably ate like 6,500 calories a day in those days. God, <laughs> that's incredible. Yeah, different times. If I did that now... <laughs> It would not be good. You got a big old party. <laughs> I would be big beyond belief. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, I guess you could say I have room for growth, Adam. And uh, Yeah, our subject matter for the Marin kind of unintentionally associated with the title of our show today, huh? It is. So uh, let's get into it. It's season three of Star Trek Lower Decks. It's episode four. It's room for growth. You know the greatest danger facing us is an irrational fear of the unknown. Online mark, go back. We start out in the bunk area, which is packed. Yeah. It's so packed. Really busy in there. I mean, I guess if you're like hot bunking, this would make sense. Do they get their own bunk space or do they have to share it with Delta Shift? That feels a little unclear at this point. I mean, what confuses the answer is that we've seen closet space being used by people like Boimler, those those pull-out closet racks between bunks. And that would suggest to me that maybe it's one bunk per person. Yeah, that'd be nice. Would you be a top bunk person or a bottom bunk person if you were uh, an ensign on the Cerritos? No question, top bunk. Wow. But also, if I'm in a hot bunking situation or a hide-the-shit type of ship, (laughs) I don't think I'm cut out for quasi-naval science fiction ship service. I don't think that's for me at that point. Yeah. I don't really get the sense that the Cerritos is a hide-the-shit sort of environment, but that's a kind of... You know, Mike McMahon pulled out some down-bubble terminology on us when we interviewed him. Yeah. 
And I sort of wonder. We should have asked him if he knew of Hide the Shit. God, I knew we blew that interview. Fuck! Fuck! God! <laughs> Damn it! <laughs> Uh, Tandy has this uh, little goopy pet. What's what's this little pet? I think it's the dog. I think that's the dark answer to the question. Oh, man. This is the end state of the dog. She's a totally normal dog. They didn't leave the dog on that paradise planet? Guess not. Where it flew away? (laughs) The dog could be anything, and it chose goo. Yeah, yeah. So they're all sitting around, and... uh, this is when uh, Captain Freeman does her mash flyby. You cannot contain Minorki! And uh, as she goes, she converts the hallway into ancient temple vibes. It's so fucking annoying. <laughs> what are you going to do? She's Minuki. You can't shoot her. No. What's funny about this scene is that like, she's being trailed behind by, uh, by Kayshawn and Ransom, who can do nothing but just observe and report on the damage that will have to be fixed later. Yeah, I mean, Manuki is awakened. She's glorious. Sounds like this is something that happens more often than you might think. (laughs) Yeah, and after the theme, we're confronted with the mess that a Masks episode leaves behind and the guilty feelings. Yeah, it's not like everything just goes back to normal when you unmask your captain. It's like a bad sexual experience. It's the next morning. The morning after masks, Ben. (laughs) Often very awkward for all involved. Um, listen, about last night, I... Yeah, just like, you don't know what to say. It's like, uh, maybe I should have gone home last night. Yeah. Yeah, in the in the bright light of day, the mask does not look like how you remembered. Yeah, whoa, I must have been really drunk when I put on this mask. Yeah, and you have redecorated uh, in a way that you regret. So once again, the Cerritos has been partially transformed into a temple, and the engineers are working round the clock to put it back together to pull all the stone work off of everything and and return the ship to starship configuration. And, uh, you know, Billups is reporting that they're just about done with this when the captain expresses her appreciation, but also that she's observed that the engineers are are, uh, looking a little bedraggled. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't take someone totally observant to tell how tired the engineers are. Like, they can barely hide how frustrated they are. And beat they are from doing all these repairs. And Dr. Katz has actually told Captain Freeman that she's diagnosed them. Her medical opinion is that you are a f***ing pile of stress. Yeah, Billups is like slapping shacks. He's, he's uh, you know, you're really walking on thin ice around Billups in any way. And uh, I mean, he's all like all pent up. Yeah. From never having had sex, but also from all this work. He's kind of the anti-Shacks, if you think about it, right? Because all of the punishment that Shacks can absorb seems very <laughs> different from what Billups can take, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Shacks also looks like he's having a lot of sex. Oh, yes. Shacks is getting it. So uh, the engineering team is going with the captain for a, uh, a vacay. And the uh, B story... Over in uh, the hallway. Is it the, like, do you think that they think of this as A and B stories on this show? Or is it are these like D and E stories? Because <laughs> anything A, B, or C would be stuff that the, the upper decks are up to. <laughs> that makes sense. But 
I think in a show breaking environment, I think you're right to call them A and B. Yeah. And possibly C. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The rest of uh, the gang are also cleaning up. They're pulling vines off of the ceilings and walls in the hallway where they all live. And the topic of some new rooms comes up. There's four separate quarters that are opening up on deck one. Deck one? Those are the penthouse suites. The problem is the lottery seems weighted against the lower deck crew people and in favor of those on upper decks. They don't seem to feel like they have a great chance of winning. Would they even be called lower deckers if they got these quarters? Yeah. Because it's like the top deck, right? I think you shrug off the label. Yeah. I think you get a room and a new label. Is deck one where the bridge is, but also where these quarters are? That's what I thought too. So then I I looked at the exterior of the Cerritos. Check it Mm -hmm. out. Are you going to share your screen with me? Oh man, I could do that. (laughs) I don't think I want to. I got some tabs open. (laughs) If you look at the top of the dish, the bulge. Mm. I mean, there is bridge bulge. I'm not going to say that there isn't. But it it is pretty flat as saucer sections go. Yeah. Are you sharing this with me somewhere, or should I be like looking at the same thing as you? Oh, I mean, I mean, find any picture of the Cerritos. Oh, I don't want to uh, do like that. in profile. No, if I if I do that, I'm gonna ruin all my search algorithms. You know. All right. It's gonna think I'm interested in Star Trek. Yee. I don't think you're wrong in questioning what deck. I will say that because later on, I think that question is paid off. Right. The validity of that is paid off later. You sort of wonder why they don't question it, though. (laughs) Yeah. But maybe they're so unfamiliar with the upper decks that (laughs) this is not really something that they've thought about before. They just don't get to go up there that often. Boimler should know. Boimler should know every inch of that ship. He really should. And Rutherford, too. Rutherford is distracted because he's getting packed up, and he's like, well, listen, this is great. You guys just uh, make sure you put my name in for the lottery. It'd be so cool to all live up there on that deck together. And as they're talking about this, Tendy's goopy little pet jumps out of its beaker and runs away. And so Tendy has to go through some Jeffrey's tubes a-looking for it. And when she finds it, she hears through the vents a scheme being unfolded. And uh, and she drops some eaves out of this vent. And uh, here's the ass wipes from Delta Shift planning on rigging the contest so that they get the quarters on deck one. Deck one, here we come. Whoop, 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 whoop. <laughs> you always want your lottery computer to be an air-gapped machine. Mm, yeah. And it sits somewhere else on the ship in a very difficult place to get to undetected. So that's what these Delta shifters are talking about, how they get to this air-gapped station without something like a turbo lift record or a transport log giving away that someone has accessed the system. Is this like the kind of thing where if you ask the computer where Delta Shift was, it wouldn't know because they've gone through a path to this computer that is unmonitored? Yeah, I think that's the idea. But I don't think this is a plot that (laughs) the episode wants you to think too hard about. (laughs) <laughs> because like the I feel like the reason we're even in this crawl space with Tendi is to avoid asking the question in the previous scene of oh four rooms cool what if only one of you wins the lottery <laughs> right 
so delta shift are going to cheat and beta shift cannot allow that. Right. That's uh, that's just no bueno. When Tendi tells Boims and Mariner what she heard, there's that kind of great umbrage that goes like, if we don't do something, they will. Yeah. And that is such a tantalizing moment of truth. Ooh, I've always wanted to explore an ethical gray area. Yes! Right. It, it makes you not feel bad that they're planning on cheating also. Right. <laughs> you know? Yeah. It makes it okay is what you're saying. It makes it okay. So the ship pulls up to the Dove, which is a sort of spa vessel, <laughs> I guess. It's an orbit of uh, some planet, and all of the engineering people beam over to the Dove and uh, are greeted by one of those three-arm aliens from the animated series. And she has, like, mimosas and warm hand towels for them and explains that the Dove is its a ship that specializes in unwinding stressed-out crews. Are you a person that has had a spa day before? How experienced are you in, in this sort of environment? I've done one spa day with my wife once. What was on the menu for that? What did you have done? I want to say we did like some sauna, some like different temperatures of pool, you know, like hot tub and cold plunge pool kind of stuff. And then we, you know, got our cuticles pushed kind of stuff. I, I'm guessing we also had a massage, but uh, massage is uh, not really my favorite thing in the world. So I didn't, uh, really? didn't really care for that part. Yeah. Interesting. I can never relax. I don't know. I don't, the stranger touching me? No way. <laughs> Fuck off. <laughs> Fucking hands to yourself. I was, uh, I was watching these scenes carefully to figure out what of these things I have done or would never do. Mm -hmm. Locked in a room with puppies is, uh, is your fantasy, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't think I'd do the puppy room. <laughs> For the more deviant among you, we also have kittens. But there are a lot of elements of this that intrigue me. Like, I don't have very much experience uh, having a spa day either. I think I've had a pedicure. Uh-huh. Like, I've put my feet in a bath and then I've had them worked out. Uh-huh. That was uh, one of the things that we did before our wedding, me and my wife. Yeah, because you were wearing open-toed shoes, so it was like, got to do it. I've had massages before, but they were mostly like sports massages, and I love those. But I haven't had uh -huh. like a spa massage with like stones or yeah. incense or whatever. Somebody like hitting you with the branch of a tea tree or whatever. I did go into a mud bath though, Ben. Oh, fun! Uh, my wife and I went up to Calistoga many years ago and did the mud bath. And the I, d I don't think I liked it. <laughs> <laughs> they put you in... Have I told this story? If I have, we can cut it out. I don't know. I, I was just in Calistoga uh, like two months ago. Did you do the mud bath? No, because my wife is pregnant and it's not yeah. recommended for pregnant people. I don't like the smell of the sulfur mud bath thing. Uh, I think it smells gross. Too stinky. So they put you into this room and it is like two giant concrete tubs full of mud. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds great. It's so weird how different it feels from a spa. Like a spa looks like a hospital almost. It's so clean. Yeah. You're in basically a barn <laughs> with these mud baths and I and the practitioners and they're like, all right, well, uh, I'm going to take off. So you drop your robes and get into this mud and I'll be back to like put a warm washcloth on your face or something. Yeah. So take off our robes and I, I I do that thing like I like these are tall walled tubs. 
mm-hmm. grab a wall, hop over, and splat. Like, <laughs> like I'm on top of the mud. Yeah. I cannot sink into the mud. <laughs> so I've got to like wiggle myself. <laughs> it's not a surface tension thing. It's just this mud is like thick cake. Yeah. Yeah. And so I have to grab the sides of the tub and pull up on the wall to push myself down. Right. Did you, you know, have your wife run some video on your phone and do some cake farts before you <laughs> descended all the way in? It was so gross. Like there was nothing sexy about this at all. <laughs> Did you look like Worf in the mud bath at the end? Yes. I got all the way in, all the way in up to my neck. I will say like the heat was an interesting thing to feel. Like it is a very different kind of thick heat yeah. on your body. Yeah. And the washcloth, I thought before getting into the mud would be like a warm washcloth, but no, it's cold. It needs to be cold because your body's getting so hot. Yeah. Yeah. You got to have the contrast. I'm glad I did it the one time, but I wouldn't do it again. <laughs> Everyone has a different way of relaxing. The Klingons get to uh, break stuff and throw mm-hmm. mechleths into targets. But the engineers are really distracted, taking apart the door and fixing it. The second the captain turns her back and she's like, Phillips, like you got to knock it off. Like stop fixing shit. Stop doing engineering. You're here to relax. Take a fucking chill pill. I mean, much in the same way that you and I talk about uh, like a premise walk Mm -hmm. or whatever, or the way comics live their lives by like every moment is just material. An engineer sees an opportunity yeah. everywhere they go, right? Even if they're wearing a wristband that tells them how stressed out they are, yeah. they ignore that because they want to tinker with the door mechanism. Yeah. This would have been a bad couple weeks for wristbands for us, I think. <laughs> yeah. Maybe that's what we should do tomorrow. We got to meet up. I got to give some some stuff to you before uh, your trip to Vegas. Yeah. Maybe we should go to Burke Williams or something. Have a spa day. (laughs) Company-sponsored spa day. Perfect. They just won't stop engineering, Adam. And this is really ticking the captain off. Back on the ship, though, Mariner, Boims, and Tendi are trying to make their way to this air-gapped computer. And uh, they're going to go through the holodeck, but Dr. Katz... has a program running when they arrive at the door to the holodeck. I really love what they do to expectations here because you expect all Starfleets to be the hero of whatever holodeck story they're in. Uh-huh. And that is not the case here. No, what uh, Dr. Katz and Shax are up to is something they refer to as crime play. <laughs> and it is exactly as horny as that makes it sound. Yeah. And also dangerous. <laughs> They've got the... The safety's turned off. They've got Tommy guns and shotguns, and they're robbing a bank, and it's black and white. Yeah. This bank robbery also foretells a kind of stress to their relationship, right? Yeah. Like, they like doing this sort of thing together, but it creates a little bit of a conflict because Shax pauses the program to tell her something that's been on his mind having to do with an imbalance in the things that they share with each other. He wants to be more of a a feeling sharer, (laughs) and she has not up to this point seemed to care about 
that kind of relationship. Yeah. She seems to be more into a physical relationship than anything else. Yeah. She's all about the meat. She dumps them out like in this. Yeah. She, she, she offers them titties to Shax to make him feel better. That's not what he wants. I mean, the bodice has got to be ripped all the way down if you're a cat, right? I guess so, yeah. They do have a like rows of nipples, don't they? Yeah. Yeah, Dr. Katz doesn't have saggy boobs. That's just where they are. <laughs> hey, my eyes are way up here. <laughs> nope, keep going up. Another row, another row. <laughs> Okay, you're getting close. One more row. Yeah, now they, now you got it. She's offering to tell Shax how she lost her tail, and Tendi is very curious about this. Mm-hmm. We hear that she lost it when she was on the Algonquin, but uh, Mariner and Boims pull Tendi into the garbage can that they're escaping via before we hear the anecdote. Right. Damn it. Right. I mean, they don't even want to get anywhere close to when the lovemaking commences. No. Story or lovemaking or anything. They don't, they want no part of it. Learning that Ta'ana wants to be called Deborah when she's knocking boots, already too much information. Her name is Diana's her kinky sex name? Oh, yes. That's big fun. Did you catch Shax's robbery name? No, I did not. Maybe that can get dropped in. Okay, Biggs, I'll tell you a secret. In the Jeffreys tube, they open a door and enter a swamp. What the hell is a swamp doing here? It's actually underneath the hydroponics bay where we cut briefly to Kayshawn gardening. Yeah. Super happily. It looked like there was also a corpse in there (laughs) among the trees. Did you see that? No. (laughs) There's like a, I think there's like a little skeleton in in the swamp. I mean, that doesn't surprise me because what they realize after a minute is that the roots are off-gassing. Yeah. And they're off-gassing a very strong psychedelic. And- Mariner and Boimler start tripping balls. Boimler, what is up with your head? You look like a goddamn sea creature. (laughs) Yeah, it's nitrous oxide, which Tendi's biology filters out. It's not dangerous for her, but Mariner and Boimler are uh, rapidly getting so high that they're going to suffocate before they realize that they're in danger. (laughs) Scary moment, but also very funny. I love the shorthand in animation that goes like when you're drunk or high or tripping out, the giant pupil (laughs) is the thing in animation. And it really works in a scene like this. Yeah. They didn't go full like Beavis and Butthead do America, Mm -hmm. but they get pretty close and and they had a lot of fun with it. I I sort of wish they'd gone harder at this. Like... (laughs) do like an entire episode or like you know homer eating the insanity pepper right like right yeah like when a cartoon really like uses its cartoonness to take a trip to the next level let him go ralph he knows what he's doing yeah it's just a snack here it really is a brief moment but uh yeah tendy rescues them and gets them out of the hallway and they start breathing normal air again and They're very apologetic. I mean, Mariner does wish that she could go back to that egg that she was in, but uh, she realizes it was all a delusion. Tendy's got that energy of, you know, being the sober one at the party, having to handle two tripping people. So she's (laughs) like very frustrated by this, but also relieved that they're back feeling sober again. Indeed. Back on the Dove... Freeman and Taz 
are talking about how much Freeman loved her mud bath. She had a very different experience than I had. Yeah, Freeman sank right into that thing. Temperature and viscosity are bespoke. She probably had really good smelling mud. <laughs> Here's the thing. They say they drain the mud out for every person, mm. but I have a hard time believing it given how thick it is. Like, are you telling me, Doc? Are you telling me? <laughs> they got someone shoveling the mud out of every bath out after every use? I don't buy that. I don't buy that for a second. I can't buy it. The uh, engineers seem like they've finally calmed down. They're doing like zen gardening, raking some sand, really uh, enjoying themselves. And Freeman is is uh, very happy to see it until she realizes that what they've raked out is a schematic for a new processor. <laughs> <laughs> they have not, in fact, been relaxing at all. They've been designing something to make the ship's engines 0.5% more efficient. Add to that, the ensigns on the massage table are like working out little devices underneath the hole where their faces go. <laughs> yeah. And Freeman just totally loses it at this point. Yeah, one of them is named Meredith and keeps getting in trouble with Freeman. Yeah. She's one of the ones getting the, the massage. She comes back a few different times in this episode. I'm wondering if Meredith is going to be another kind of semi-recurring character like Jet and Jennifer. I know. I thought you had to have a J name for that on this show, but I guess not. It's true. I do miss Jet, though. God, Jet's so awesome. He's like the second coolest person on the Cerritos. In the Jeffries tubes, speaking of J names, now that they're out of the woods, Boimler, Mariner, and Tendi make it to what he, he describes as a shortcut. And uh, they're a little skeptical, but when they go in, the camera pulls way back and reveals that they are inside the deflector dish. And gravity is super low here. They have a brief moment of enjoying what it is like to be in low G. Really cool. I've always wanted to be here. I've always wanted know. to know what's behind it. We've been outside it a bunch in Star yeah. Trek. Borg's building transmitters on top of it and stuff. Yeah. It's awesome. It seems like a great place. And when we cut to the bridge and find out asteroid particles are incoming, we suddenly <laughs> feel the danger very close. Yeah. Because this is what the, the D-dish is for. It spins up and Boimler gets caught in it and is uh, getting, it's like that carnival ride where like it, you know, it shifts gravity from the ground to the wall. Yeah. But uh, it's spinning so fast that it's going to crush him. Is that the cyclotron? Is that what it's usually yeah. called? Something like that? Yeah, I think so. I've never actually been on one. I I think I have. When I was very little, the best time yeah. to do it. Yeah, yeah. When uh, you're, you know, when the memory of hurling on everyone will haunt you the longest. Yeah. When when the brain injury <laughs> is so long ago, <laughs> you can't remember it. So Mariner and Dendi have escaped into a hatch and realized that the only way they're going to be able to save Boimler is by uh, creating a tether. So they disrobe to tie all their clothes together to make this tether. Felt a little bit, a little bit exploitative, right? Two episodes in a row of Tendi being in some amount of undress, huh? How are we going to get these gals naked? <laughs> you know. <laughs> It's all they have, though, Yeah, yeah. in their defense, is tying their uniforms together. Yeah. Really need to know the tensile strength of those uniforms. Yeah, it's a nice high tensile strength uniform. Yeah. They uh, deploy this. They manage to rescue Boimler by his hair. 
and uh, and pull him back into the Jeffrey's tube. So all is not lost. This is real hero's journey stuff for them, right? Like they keep running into these obstacles on their way to the computer. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the hero of a thousand faces is always caught in the deflector dish at one point yeah. in the story. It happened to uh, Gilgamesh. It, it happened to uh, King Arthur. It happened to Luke Skywalker. Of course it's going to happen to Boimler. That's what I'm saying. Back on the Dove, it's Manny Petty time. Yeah. And uh, the engineers finally seem to be chill enough to accept a little bit of rest. Yeah. They're reclined in these chairs. They've got the, the cucumbers over the eyes. And crucially, their armbands have all gone green. Right. And then the captain realizes that this is another fake out. The engineers have engineered a way to trick her into thinking they're relaxing, which is that they've slipped cucumber slices under their arm badges so that uh, the arm badges are interpreting the level of relaxation of the cucumbers and not the, their birdies. I mean, the cucumbers feel so good over the eyes. What's uh, like a few more slices of cucumbers on your wrists and arms? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Hey, here's an idea. Cover me with cucumbers instead of mud. <laughs> Doesn't that sound better? Yeah, but also extraordinarily gross if you imagine that they might not be shoveling it out and replacing <laughs> it after every use. Yeah, I don't want used cucumbers. No. Or any chance of them. <laughs> like at the end of the spa day, it's just a, a bathtub full of relish. <laughs> Eat hearty, brother. What were these pickled in? Don't ask. <laughs> But (laughs) (laughs) So this really pushes the captain all the way over the edge. Her wristband goes from yellow to red to black. Oh, engineers, all of them. All of them are all goddamn Jordy LaForges. This is the code red of the USS Dove. And uh, she's sent into intensive relaxation by uh, the captain of the Dove. This is a big deal because if the treatment doesn't work here, she's going to have to be forcibly sent back to Earth. Yeah, which is uh, which is bad. That's we want our captain on our ship. Look, she's got her problems. She uh, wears a mask sometimes, mm-hmm. and uh, and turns the ship into a temple. You don't like that about Captain Freeman, but well, she did. She failed to disclose the whole mask situation to the Dove. You know, like right. if she'd told them that she'd been masked recently, they would have known. The engineers do really like her, though, and they yeah. decide that they can't let this happen. No, they cannot. So uh, Rutherford has an idea, but before we hear it, we cut away to the lower decks gang back on the ship making it to a hatch, and this hatch is uh, all that stands between them and the rest of the path to the computer. And for some reason, this hatch opens for 10 seconds, once an hour. So they just have to wait for it to open before they go through. They were all pitted out at this point. They, they all had like sweaty armpits, and I wondered if uh, if there was a deleted scene that explained why they would be so sweaty. They've been doing the sweaty armpits thing on this show this season quite a bit. Yeah. Like Mariner's sweat during her skydive. Right, yeah. In the last episode is an example of this. But that pitted out shirt we had context for. This one we don't. Yeah. I mean, they've been working hard. They've been crawling on hands and knees through the ship. Yeah. But I mean, Tendi and Mariner were just nearly nude. Yeah. Why would they be pitted out? Yeah. 
That should have let their their clothes air dry a bit. Um, yeah, <laughs> I've got a question. <laughs> In Star Trek Lower Deck Season 3, Episode 4, Room for Growth, there is a scene where Tendi and Mariner remove their uniforms, tie them together in order to save Boimler. In the following scene, they're wearing those uniforms, and those uniforms are pitted out. Are we supposed to think that it was so hot in the deflector room that they were so sweaty that they put on a dry uniform, the uniforms used to save Boimler, and immediately pitted through them? I'll take my answer over there. Get a life. <laughs> we need to score a lot of black fast. I spent a lot of last week sick in bed. And one thing I was so happy I had when I needed something to eat but didn't really have the energy to cook myself something was Factor Meals. Got a couple of these in the fridge at all times and they are delicious, fresh, never frozen, chef-crafted meals. And they're ready to go in just about two minutes. And this is convenience food that is actually tasty and full of real ingredients and not hyper-processed crap. And they got you covered all throughout the day. They got pancakes, smoothies, grab-and-go bites, and uh, you can get as much or as little as you need by choosing your meals every week. Plus, you can pause and reschedule deliveries at any time. So head to factormeals.com slash trek50 and use code trek50 to get 50% off. That's code trek50 at factormeals.com slash trek50 to get 50% off. What do you think of when you think of male grooming? Maybe it's a sharp haircut and a little bit of product, or a bit of the old beard wax twisted into the ends of a mustache. Maybe it's a shower, a shave, a little spritz of fragrance. Me? I think of shaving my nuts. And not just my nuts, all around those nuts. I'm talking all around those nuts. And this form of male grooming is hard to do when your junk looks like a log of Play-Doh rolled through a dustpan in a barber shop. It's wrinkly, it's wriggly, nothing stays in place, and it's the one area where you don't want to have an accident. That's why I'm glad we're sponsored by the spring cleaning champions at Manscaped. They sent me their brand new Lawnmower 5.0 Ultra. It's their fifth generation trimmer, featuring two interchangeable next gen skin safe blade heads, a standard one for taking a little bit off the top, and a new foil blade to go smooth wherever your heart desires. They also sent me an extra large Manscaped t shirt, which I will never wear, but it was nice of them to do. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code TREK at manscaped.com. That's 20% off and free shipping with the code TREK at manscaped.com. Nothing like a little spring cleaning in your pants. Back for another game. You know it. What's going on? Just one more week till Max Fun Drive. (laughs) Hard to believe. It's been a heck of a year since the last one. We're now a worker-owned co-op. We raised $50,000 for charity last year. And we've added a bunch of awesome new shows. But do you think we're ready to do it again? Absolutely. Lovely new gifts are lined up. The episodes will be amazing. And wait till everyone hears the bonus content. Yeah, plus they know to go to MaximumFun.org newsletter, so they're getting all the news. Oh, like that meetup day is on Thursday, March 21st. Then what's bothering you? Me? Oh, nothing. 
We're all set for Max Fun Drive to start on Monday, March 18th. I just didn't want you to see this coming. Check. What? Hang on. Most of the plants humans eat are technically grass. Most of the asphalt we drive on is almost a liquid. The formula of WD-40 is San Diego's greatest secret. Zippers were invented by a Swedish immigrant love story. On the podcast Secretly Incredibly Fascinating, we explore this type of amazing stuff. Stuff about ordinary topics like cabbage and batteries and socks. Topics you'd never expect to be the title of the podcast. Secretly Incredibly Fascinating. Find us by searching for the word secretly in your podcast app. And at MaximumFun.org. Well, there's a new ship. She's got the right name. She's got the right name. Now you remember that, you hear? Now you remember that, you hear? So, yeah, they're hunkering down, waiting for this door to open. They're fantasizing about having all of these great rooms. And uh, and that's when Delta Shift pushes into this same space. These people that they've been competing to to beat this entire time show up, and they're in the room with them. And Delta Shift have clearly had their own adventure. They're covered in mud and goo, but they're not pitted out. Yeah, so they're dirty but not sweaty. Beta Shift is sweaty but not dirty. Mm. Yeah, so uh, you choose. It's interesting, like once you see Delta Shift and Beta Shift sitting across from each other, you see that they are just different versions of the same people visually. (laughs) That's fun. Yeah, like the shape of the dude's head is exactly the same as the shape of Boimler's head. They're just differently colored with slightly different haircuts. (laughs) Yeah, and they start to realize, hey, like uh, we're not so different after all, the Betas and the Deltas. Like they're not so bad. Yeah. It's just that we don't know each other because we're asleep when they're awake and vice versa. And they start like, you know, trading war stories. They start talking about how uh, Ransom has a churro wife. Everyone knows that. People called her churro Olivia. And I thought this scene really implied that Ransom may be treating his churro wife like a cum shoe box. Oh, no. Because they talk about him uh, refreshing it. In this very kind of, uh, you know, finger flexion-y way. I feel like churros would chafe, (laughs) Ben. I don't think there's much pleasure to be derived by fucking churros. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the inside of a churro is pretty soft, but there's not that much of it. No matter how fresh they are, I don't think a churro is fuckable. You got to be hung like a Dixon Ticonderoga to fuck a churro. Yeah. Yeah. I don't like the idea of that. As they, you know, develop this bond, it starts to be like, oh, like, how could we fuck each other out of these great rooms? Why don't we just go in? We'll put beta shift and delta shift as the people in the lottery. And that way it's it's at least fair for these smaller groups. We'll know people that we respect got the rooms one way or the other. And that seems cool until the door opens and delta shift like kicks them in the face and runs through and ditches them. It's a classic delta shift double cross bin. Should have seen it coming. Should have seen it coming. Goddamn you, Back on the Dove, Captain Freeman is absolutely stressed beyond belief, and no amount of puppies and bunnies is going to unstress her. The puppy with the wheelie legs 
<laughs> is such an adorable escalation to the thing. <laughs> I freeze framed this this one, and it is so cute. It's too goddamn cute. Yeah, and the puppies and the bunnies are friends. The wheelie puppy has got the giant pupils of having just taken psychedelics too. Mm. So it's like a psychedelic wheelie puppy. Mm. Yeah. Even cuter yeah. when you put it that way. That wheelie puppy is seeing God, man. Yeah. That wheelie puppy has seen the koala. The captain of the dove is so fucking pissed off that their interventions are not working on Captain Friedman that she whips out a cigarillo and starts to smoke it. <laughs> when... Uh, when Billups and Rutherford burst in and uh, announced that they have a solution to Freeman's problem. They're going to de-stress her. And uh, the captain of the Dove is, is not happy. She wants them to get the hell out of there. This is her gig, not theirs. Taz has made up her mind. Like when she lights up that smoke, uh -huh. she calls it as if she's giving a time of death. I love that take. I'm going to call it. <laughs> Somebody get me Starfleet Medical on the horn. It really does. Uh, the engineer's wheel in is this pod. Uh, it looks like thrown together by parts of the dove. And Billups and Rutherford explain that this pod uh, is designed to relax the hell out of somebody. It's, it, uh, it will do in instance what would take a month on the dove to do. Did you understand, you know, much like a pelican case with its pick and pull liner, uh -huh. did you understand what that was supposed to evoke. You're, you're talking about the shape in, in the lining? Yeah. I, no, because it, there's like a notch out of the door, like sort of low down on the door. And it looks like that is all like leading to it. And I couldn't figure it out for the life of me what the shape was, what the negative space. Who did they test it on or what did they test it on? Right. Yeah, that's where my head was too. It was a mystery that my mind wanted to solve and it distracted me from the dialogue in this scene. Yeah. Like, what's the funniest shape that could be in there? Mm. Like, if it were clearly Billups, and Billups was, like, on the presentation team, you know, like, extremely chilled out. He, he comes in with uh, Big Lebowski, the dude energy. Yeah, well, the dude abides. Yeah, like, if they had clearly tested it on themselves. I feel like there's a joke we're missing. Like, that is an obvious shape of something, and they tested it, and... Yeah. It feels like there's there's joke residue yeah. there. I, I know what you mean, and I, I couldn't decipher it. But uh, she gets in, they slam the door, they turn this thing on, and when she pops out, you know, the smoke clears and her wristband has gone fully green. And, uh, you know, come to re realize all of the engineers are fully green. They yeah. tested it on themselves. Yeah. Maybe that's why the inside of that device is so fucked out. Is like oh. they've had all kinds of different shaped people in there, and uh, mm. and your pick and pull foam is looking a little rugged. It's like a baseball glove that you've uh, backed the car over. It's really like worked in. It's like you crammed your seventy two hundred into the fifty mil hole, mm. and that hole <laughs> is uh, is totally blown out. <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> you remember working with cameras? Yeah, yeah, it was good times. <laughs> This thing worked, and uh, the captain of the Dove uh, wishes them well, but once they're out of earshot, she clearly feels very threatened by the existence of this device. Right. Sheen, I'm not getting into that thing. I'm, I'm strictly a hand operator. You know, I, I, 
I don't like anything with moving parts that are not my own. I mean, this is like the opposite of the Agonizer booth. If they had a booth like this on every Starfleet vessel, they wouldn't need the Dove. Yeah. Taz has got real Sherry Yenyeb vibes to me, like the sort of craven need to create the conditions to keep my job, even if it means, you know, <laughs> not solving the problem right. that my job is here to solve, like that kind of thing. Right. I want this thing ejected from my ship right now! It really stresses her out. I wish she had had a wristband because I feel like part of the joke mm -hmm. of this episode is that her stress is really ramping while she's trying to solve for Freeman's stress. Yeah, Ben, but what wrist do you put it on? She's got three. Whoa. Yeah. Maybe all three? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. So it seems like all is lost for Mariner, Tendi, and Boims. They're stuck in this room. That door's not going to open for another hour. And uh, Delta Shift have a, a huge lead on them. But Boimler realizes that there's some water flowing toward a an access port. And he opens it and realizes that not all is lost, in fact. And not all is forgotten either. Yeah. It's the return of bold Boimler. We really need to do something about this Bold Boimler thing. It is not sustainable. Yeah, Bold Boimler is back in a big way, and uh, he leads them to victory. He, they get to the computer, and they get up to it, and they realize it's not four rooms on deck one. It's one room on deck four. It's fucking bullshit, man. Do they even want this? No one wants to break up well, the team. This is the question at this point. Yeah, it's like in high school when you find out two of your friends are going to the same college, but your other friends going to different colleges. And you're like, but what are we going to do? And then you're like, well, what if I just take a skip year? You know, like people take skip years, they go and travel and shit. Yeah. And then your parents are like, you are not fucking doing that because <laughs> there's no way you're actually going to go to college after <laughs> and you try to make the case that to skip years is a good idea, that you've been working mm -hmm. your way through high school, and then maybe a year-long break is a good idea. It doesn't even have to be a year, Ben. Maybe it's just a summer, right. but a break is a good idea because once you enter college and the workforce thereafter, you're never going to get another chance to get a break again. But no matter how strong you make this case to your parents, yeah. it doesn't fly. And that's all in this episode, in a way. Yeah. <laughs> So they decide not to do it, and they're like, well, this will show them because Delta Shift will get in here and monkey with this thing, and they'll get their group broken up, and we'll be sitting pretty, having our group intact, and uh, the rug gets pulled right out from under them in the button on the episode, which is the next scene in the bar, <laughs> and they realize that Delta Shift outfoxed them one last way. I can't believe they're sharing that one room. I think it's so interesting that... Initially, you're like, Delta Shift is so smart. They thought that splitting up the room would be a great idea. Why didn't Beta Shift think of it? And there's such a clear reason why Beta Shift didn't. Their engineers were gone. This is like an engineering solution to the problem that they didn't have because Rutherford is the one that gives this voice. We could have had our own party room. One room for all of us. Yeah. Instead, they're stuck in the fucking bunks with semi-nude Fedorov yeah. walking through with his barely fit towel jesus fucking christ yeah. Fedorov, replicate a bigger yeah. towel freak <laughs> ransom's in there getting his 35 churros to take back to his quarters and that is the end of the episode ben so i guess i was wrong he's not coming on the churros he's just replicating new churros i think the bag is more fuckable than the churros themselves hmm. or maybe like you dump the bag on on top of your head you know before you wrap the belt around that way you get like mm. the the cinnamon 
smell. Yeah, right. You know, as the tunnel starts to close. <laughs> oh, yeah. He's going down the old cinnamon love tunnel. <laughs> and then it's sweet release. <laughs> Did you like this episode, Adam? This was one of those episodes that was paced so fast, like with such intentionally fast pace that you're like not permitted to see a few of the logical holes in mm-hmm. our <laughs> characters' decisions. And I think that's part of the math of breaking a good episode of television. Like you create a construction so that is made more difficult. Yeah. Yeah. And it took watching the episode a couple of times for those holes to reveal themselves, but it didn't make for an unsatisfying watch either time. It was a fun adventure. I really loved seeing different parts of the ship, parts of a starship that we've never seen before on Star Trek ever. Yeah. And I think when I think of this episode, those are the parts I'm going to remember the most. And I'm glad that Bold Boimler's back. I honestly thought that was not going to come back. (laughs) Yeah, it seems like Bold Boimler is emerging as a season-spanning theme. Yeah. What about you, Ben? But uh, Bold Boimler is not the victor here. I love an episode of television in which your main characters think they're winning and are losing the entire time. I just think that's such a funny Mm -hmm. way to get at comedy. And... uh, the other thing I just think is so funny is the like careerism of Freeman. Like she's clearly such a mediocre captain that she's like not getting advanced to bigger and better ships. And whenever you see her like make management decisions, it's like it's so self-centered in such a funny way. Like I need the engineers to relax for my own sake. <laughs> such a funny place for a manager to be coming from. Right. And that's so cynical, too, because. Freeman's interest in giving her engineers a break isn't from guilt, a normal human emotion to have when you cause a mess that someone else has to clean up. It's like, I've got to make my engineers more efficient. They're clearly too tired to do the work I need them to do. It's about what she can get out of them instead of what she owes them, really. Yeah. And when their mode of relaxing doesn't fit with her mental picture of what it's going to look like yeah. it only makes her <laughs> angrier yeah so, uh, it's not a good freeman episode in that way i thought it was a really funny episode yeah i really enjoyed it yeah me too well adam do you want to see if there's anything in the priority one inbox for this episode of greatest trek always a mess to clean up in the p1 inbox ben it's frequently looking like a temple in there mm, yeah yikes Priority one message from Starfleet coming in on secured channel. And we've got a couple of P1s here. The first one is of a promotional nature and goes like this. Check out the big old Burget on these new Trek shows. Every new episode has spectacular movie level special effects. They introduce intricate new costumes and unearthly creatures each week. This is truly a modern golden age for sci-fi fandom. If you want to hear about an old, low-budget sci-fi show that has none of those things, come listen to The Doctor's Watcher, our podcast about classic Doctor Who. This show isn't even in color. <laughs> so subscribe to The Doctor's Watcher wherever you get your podcast. God, I am going to uh, out myself as a real Doctor Who idiot, but were early episodes of Doctor Who not in color? 
Is it that old? Yeah, I think it's that old. It's been on since like forever. Holy shit. Yeah. It's old beyond belief, Adam. (laughs) (laughs) So that's a podcast rec from Kyle and Benny. Go listen to The Doctor's Watcher. They're watching black and white Doctor Who. This is how I learn about it, through The Doctor's Watcher. Yeah, that's how you do it. Just got to subscribe. Ben, our second priority one message is from Patrick... Just to all FODs everywhere. That message goes like this. A corner of the world with incredible folks deserves to be celebrated. Big thanks to the awesome FODs of the Discord. Hey. Thanks for the flag debates, pun trains, streaming hangs, moot picks, and trek kicks. <laughs> thanks to the command staff for making it so welcoming. And huge thanks to Adam and Ben for being the quantum singularity that pulls us all together. Hell yeah. Nice shout out for the Discord. Yeah. If you're not already there... Discord is a great place to be. It's at drunkshimoda.com. Yeah. Adam and I uh, will occasionally uh, hang out in the general interest part of the Discord, answer questions, goof around with folks, and it's really fun. I've had so much fun every time I've done it. Jay Poop and the command staff really do a nice job of yeah. cultivating a really friendly and cool community that is not super negative the way a lot of internet things can turn into if they're not, you know, looked after in the right way. Yeah, they really do a good job over there. It's really great. It's a fun thing to do on an airplane. Yeah, yeah. I think the next flight I'm on is coming up next week. I'm going to get on there. Yeah. Time travel. Get it, player. Well, if you have a announcement of any kind for a podcast you might have or a Discord server you're a big fan of, you can go to MaximumFun.org slash Jumbotron. Get your announcement out to the Miriam Friends of DeSoto who subscribe to our show. In addition to that, it's a great way to support the ongoing production of this show. Hey, Adam. What's that, Ben? Did you discover yourself in Edward Larkin? I think it's got to be Freeman to me for two reasons. I mean, she's the inciting incident for the problem, and then she is the escalation to the problem, right? Uh Yeah. She's introduced the temple to the ship and the reason for it needed to be cleaned up, and then she tries to force her wellness plan onto the engineers with those disastrous results. So it's unclear whether or not she really learns anything at the end of it. Right, right. And what could be more Edward Larkin than that? Edward Larkin buried under a a pile of tribbles on a ship about to explode. I mean, that's Freeman, I think, throughout this episode. So I'm going to make her my Edward Larkin. What about you? It's also Freeman for me. It's a very, very specific moment, which is when she realizes that the Zen rock garden has been raked into a schematic. Mm -hmm. She she just tries to stamp out the part that she's near. Uh, that was such a funny little bit of uh, character animation. Yeah. <laughs> she did that. Uh, really made me laugh. And uh, that makes it a daily double, Adam. How about that? Feels like it's been a while since we've had one of those. It does. First daily double on Greatest Trek, Ben. Wow. Adam, at the end of every episode of Greatest Trek, we like to shout out somebody that tweeted about the show or did an Instagram post about the show. Mm-hmm. I want to call out at TD Enterprises tweet. Uh, they asked us a question. Hey, at Greatest Trek, I know the dream is to be blown out in airlock, but if you got to be cast as a guest star from any episode or movie already made, which roles would you step into? My mind locked into such an immediate answer. Uh-huh. Like, I can't imagine my... <laughs> 
It was so unexpected to have my mind work this fast. It's been pretty pretty sludgy week yeah. in the brain department. Yeah. But it's uh it's the two ensigns in Star Trek Six who were accused by Chekhov of being the gravity boots guys. Wow. Like I would be one of those ensigns. Yeah. Mine's a bit selfish because I just pictured a single person, but it's oh, sure. uh, it's Christian Slater. Yeah. <laughs> when he uh, doesn't have light on his face. I feel like if I was going to be in a Star Trek thing, it would be that anonymized. Do you have a hearing problem, mister? Could you look like you have a hearing problem? <laughs> Such a great moment. Yeah. Such a weird moment. Like You kind of wonder if the filmmakers are like trolling the audience like am i just supposed to like let that go by and not wonder what the fuck it was about <laughs> do you remember what it was like in the theater when that moment happened it, it's not like the excitement of a uh like an a-list actor cameo like people love christian slater yeah. i like christian slater but like there's not the pop of a george clooney it's like a <laughs> oh right. oh there's christian slater no kidding huh Nice. 10% of the audience is a partner that's like, who is that? <laughs> I recognize that person. <laughs> Was that that guy from True Romance? <laughs> yeah. What's his name again? Right. Uh. <laughs> and that's you. You know what? That's you in so many circumstances. Yeah. Is that Ben Harrison? Wait, is it? No, it couldn't be. Because I didn't even put light on his face. <laughs> I mean, would you if you were making a movie and he was in it? Probably not. <laughs> well, uh, that just about does it for this episode. Make sure to check out those credits to hear about what's happening next week. Take it away, Wendy. Thanks, Wendy. Greatest Trek is an Uxbridge Shimoda podcast on the Maximum Fun Network. It's hosted by Ben Harrison and Adam Pranica, and it's produced and edited by Wendy Pretty. Coming up on Lower Decks, it's Season 3, Episode 5, Reflections. Mariner and Boimler work the Starfleet recruitment booth at an alien job fair, while Rutherford challenges himself. All of the original music that we use on this show is by Adam Ragusea. He's got a podcast and a YouTube cooking channel, and you can find those by searching for Adam Ragusea. Nick Dittmore made the show art, and Bill Tilly runs the social media pages for Uxbridge Shimoda. Make sure you're following at Greatest Trek on Instagram and Twitter, and use the hashtag Greatest Trek when you talk about the show online. Ratings and recommendations are really great ways for you to support the podcast, and we really appreciate all the members who are giving monthly to keep Greatest Gen and Greatest Trek going. With a membership at $5 a month or more at MaximumFun.org join, you get monthly bonus episodes from across the network. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week on Greatest Trek. MaximumFun.org Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.